0: By concerns of this world, but instead will be lifted up into the power of your love and your light and your redemption and your goodness that's at work in this world. So, God, we pray for your healing of this broken world. We pray your kingdom would come, your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven, and may we be a part of your restoring and redemptive work in this world. We pray in Jesus' name. Everybody who agreed said, amen. I have a question for you. Um, If you were particularly worried, if you were especially uh, full of anxiety, and I said to you, I have one of two options for you. I will make a way for one of two things for you in your anxious and worried state. The first option is I will fully fund a week in Maui on the beach. Okay, that's option one. The other option is you can go sit in the corner and experience total peace. Which one would you take? Week in Maui? or sit in the corner and experience total peace. Here's why I ask you that. We all wrestle with worry, with anxiety from time to time in different ways. And typically, what we do about that is we look for external fixes. We say, if I could just make time for a massage this week, or a pedicure. If I could just get a vacation lined up, if I could just carve out a night to sit at home and have some downtime, watch a show, then all will be well. We tend to approach our worry with this idea that if we just externally could line things up or secure that next job or get that amount of money or get that next connection with someone who will help us down the path we want to. If that external thing could be true, I won't be worried anymore. I won't be anxious anymore. But when we, in the series, come to this idea of worry and anxiety, the Bible provides a very different map, a very different path. And it is not uh, so much an external changing of the chairs on the deck as it is an internal journey. It's an inward journey. Dallas Willard says, if your soul is healthy, no external circumstance can destroy your life. If your soul is unhealthy, no external circumstance can redeem your life. So in this series, we are just basically asking the question, how can we get from the cliff of anxiety and worry to the peace of God that the scriptures talks about? And we're following Paul's instructions, the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 4, where he instructs us to think on certain things. Consider this passage again with me. Do not be anxious about anything, But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Now that passage right there, those words, whatever is true, Whatever is noble, whatever is right, that is our map for October in this series. Last week, Tim talked about what does it mean to think on whatever is true rather than the stories we make up in our head that make us very anxious. Today, we're talking about whatever is noble. Now, if you look at the word noble and you just ask Webster's Dictionary, what does noble mean, it will tell you this, noble belonging to a hereditary class with high social or political status, aristocratic. So we say, like, that person's from a noble family. I think what the Apostle Paul is saying when he is saying, think on whatever is true, whatever is noble, has to do with how you view yourself and others. Because how you view yourself can lead to great worry. We are constantly seeking honor, seeking recognition, seeking approval, seeking acceptance in places where it cannot ultimately be found, and it makes us anxious, it makes us worried. So we're familiar, many of us, with that term identity crisis, which was originally coined by Eric Erickson in the 50s. But basically, it's this idea to have an identity crisis, is this idea that along the development path of life, there are these crucial points where we are developing, where we are maturing. And that process can be stunted. And the result is, I have an identity crisis. And when I have an identity crisis, I am unsure of who I am, where I belong, what I'm to be doing, when it's very extreme it causes people to be just socially aloof maybe even destructive in what they engage in but we you know we'll kind of throw that phrase around identity crisis and maybe it's not a true identity crisis but you know it's a bit of an idea a little bit of an identity crisis because the reality is this is a battle for all of us from time to time particularly in times of transition we become anxious and fearful because our identities rest in another person's opinion of us. And so we have to secure that, otherwise we fall into this identity crisis. Uh, Just to illustrate this, we're going to look at two songs in pop culture right now that you'll probably be familiar with. And uh, they just represent how Our culture and our world is drowning in this sea of positive thinking. You're worried? Just think positively of yourself. You're feeling anxious? Just remember how great you are. So, first illustration is this one from Taylor Swift. Let's take a listen. I thought you were going to keep singing. (laughs) So love this, right? I know, we love the song, right? You could just sing the whole thing with me right now. But um, put on your, like, philosophical, theological lenses just for a minute. Okay, the message of the song. Um, Whatever you're facing that's difficult, might be causing you to be a little bit worried, anxious, whatever, just shake it off. The message, if you think about it, is just skim over that which makes you worried. Just skim over your anxiety, shake it off. Okay, how is that different than the message of the gospel? The message of the gospel takes us much deeper. It's not a skimming over. The message of the gospel is like this. I am, on one hand, so... uh, I'm, I'm so lost, Christ had to die. Woo. On the other hand, uh, I'm so deeply loved, Christ was willing to die. Okay, on the one hand, Christ had to die, that humbles me, keeps me from arrogance, keeps me from superiority. Whew. On the other hand, Christ was willing to die that keeps me from inferiority, that keeps me from insecurity, that reminds me of my value and my worth. See, the message of the gospel takes me much deeper in my moments of anxiety. Okay, here's just one other example. Consider the lyrics from this song. Let's take a listen. You can sing along. intended to inspire and promote this sense of self-worth. But if we look at it and think about it, the path is actually a trap for anxiety. And here is why. Because basically the message of the song is saying your self-worth is achievable by literally being more impressive than anybody else. Like you dedicate yourself and you'll be standing in the Hall of Fame. Everybody's going to know your name. Your self-worth is achievable by basically being more impressive than anyone else. And that might fuel like a temporary sense of optimism. But it leaves us with this task, this tall task of achieving our worth and our acceptability. And some of you know you can achieve that dream and still be miserable inside. You can get to Maui for a week, on the beach, everything included, and take your anxiety right there with you. The message of God is totally, utterly different. Focusing on what is noble is to focus on the truest thing about you, is what God says about you. What God says about you is this. In Christ, you are two things. Number one, you are a beloved child. Number two, you are a co-heir. In other words, you are noble. You have basic human dignity. You are loved and valued and esteemed, not because you proved your worth, but simply because of who you are. Consider this passage in Romans 8, which says this, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. That's the old way. learning our true identity and spiraling deeper and deeper into that, learning that we are a beloved child and a co-heir, that is not something we earn. It is something that we realize. We realize it as we meditate on and think on such things, as Paul says. And that is the scripture's plan for moving from the cliff of anxiety to the peace of God. Brennan Manning shares this story, fictional story, um, in his book Abba's Child. Basically, the story is that there is an Irish priest who is on this walking tour of a rural parish, and he comes along, a peasant on the side of the road who is praying, and the priest says to the the peasant, "Um, you must be very close to God. And the peasant Looks up, thinks for a moment, and then smiles and said, Yes, he is very fond of me. What is he doing? He is meditating on, he is thinking on such things. He is considering his nobility, that he is a child of the most high king. No matter what's happening externally, that is the foundation. That is the firm foundation. Now, some of you, I know immediately for many of us, we go, well, God cannot be fond of me because if you knew what I did, you know he wouldn't be fond of me. Brian Chappell says this, I do not stop being a child of God because I am a problem child. And any parent knows the truth in that statement. Learning to view ourselves as God views us is a process. It's a journey. I read a story this week um, that I think illustrates this. Uh, the story basically goes like this. There, um, there was a, a man who was walking. He was walking through a forest, and he found a young eagle, and the eagle had fallen out of the nest. And the man took the eagle who had fallen out of the nest Nest, took him to the barn and uh, started to feed him chicken food and let him live with the chickens. And pretty soon the eagle just started acting like a chicken, was behaving, eating like a chicken, acting like a chicken, living with the chickens. And a naturalist came along and was like, Why is this king of all the birds here with the chickens? And the guy said, Well, I've you know, tra- I've trained him. I brought him here. He's, you know, I've trained him to live like a chicken. And the naturalist said, no, he still has the heart of an eagle inside. And so the man takes this eagle and holds him up and says, you are an eagle. You are an eagle, and you belong to the sky. So just stretch your wings and fly. And the eagle just doesn't know what to do, and he's totally confused, and he hops back down with the chickens. He starts eating with chickens, hanging with the chickens. And the man's like, no. So he takes him then, not just outside, but onto the roof of the barn, and he holds the eagle, and he says, you are an eagle. You belong to the sky. Spread your wings and fly. And the eagle just is kind of like looking at the sky, looking down, and uh, he is unsure of this unknown self. He is uncertain of the unknown world that could be his. And so he runs back into the barn with the chickens. But the man takes him again, this time to the very top of a mountain. He's like, you are an eagle. You belong to the sky. Spread your wings and fly. And the eagle, trembling, lifts up his wings and with a cry launches and flies. And in the story, uh, it's said that the eagle may have occasionally returned to the barn to see the chickens, may have even thought about the chicken coop with some nostalgia sometimes from time to time, but never returned there permanently again. I love that story because to me that is like such a picture of you and I that you are made to fly, to soar. The scriptures talk about how those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength, they'll mount on wings like eagles, they'll run and not go weary, they'll walk and not be faint. But what happens is we get so accustomed to living with our fears, our anxieties, our ways of self-promotion, our ways of seeking approval and acceptance when all along... Our identity's been given to us, and it is clear. But to learn to live in our eaglehood, that takes learning. That is a process that happens over time. So you could say it like this. Spiritual formation is basically the process of learning to live as an eagle and not a chicken. It's the process that takes time to Grow into Christ-likeness for the sake of other people. And it's not a one-time thing that happens over time. David Benner says this, genuine self-knowledge begins by looking at God and noticing how God is looking at us. That That is the peasant on the side of the road. He is very fond of me. When you know you are approved in Christ, when you know you are accepted in Christ, you are freed from an anxiety that you didn't even know was the base from which you were living from. Because in that that development, you can stop focusing on what other people think about you to the truest thing about you, which is what God says about you. It frees you from a focus on yourself and a focus on what others are going to think about you to truly, actually be free to love, to love others. Bill Johnson says, royalty is my identity. You could say nobility. Nobility, royalty is my identity. Servanthood is my assignment. And intimacy with God is my life source. See, only when royalty and nobility is my identity can servanthood really be my assignment. Only then can I really serve and give in secret, where nobody sees and nobody knows. See, I'm not going to truly walk into servanthood in secret if it's about me building a name for myself. But when royalty and nobility is my identity, I am freed to love in a non-self-serving sort of way. In other words, in the way of Jesus. Brennan Manning says this, my identity as Abba's child, it's not an abstraction, it's not a tap dance into religiosity. It's the core truth of my existence. Living in the wisdom of accepted tenderness profoundly affects my perception of reality, the way I respond to people, and their life situations. So, this week as you sense worry consuming you would you think about what is true not the story you're making up in your head and would you think about what is noble what is noble is this you are a child of the most high king in christ You are a beloved child and a co-heir. And you know what? When that is true, and when you experience that oneness with God, you will choose the corner of peace with God to the beach in Maui any day. Let's pray together as we close. Lord, you know our hearts and you know that in this room there are many worries. There are many things that we are anxious about. And you tell us, do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present our requests to you. So right now, in this moment, We just take a moment to do that very thing, to lift our requests to you in silent prayer. And God, you tell us there is a peace with you that transcends all understanding. So we ask for that peace from you that would transcend our understanding. We pray that it would be you, Jesus, who would guard our hearts and our minds as we focus on what is true and what is noble this week. We pray in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.